Welcome to the Palm Court Podcast. We're back. We are actually out in the world, which is very exciting. The Palm Court Podcast, available anywhere you listen to pods, also available at palmcourtpod.com. I'm Mike Palmer, joined again by Grant Balfour and Megan Citron. Welcome back. This is becoming a habit. It's nice to have you both back on. Hi. Yes. Great to be here. Excellent. Yeah. So we had fun. One of our inaugural episodes was us kicking it old school style, like you might have back in, say, 90, 91, as I like to say, back in the day. We're trying to open ourselves up to other demographics within the New College diaspora and also the world around us, including folks who attended New College at other points in time. Today, we are joined by two folks who attended New College at different times later than us, and they've both been really active and engaged since things got crazy this year. We're joined today by Shannon Ingalls and Jinx Ashforth. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. I have my Smirnoff ice and everything. I am ready for a wall. Delightful. I may need to step away for a moment. That is a brilliant idea. And we should probably record some of these at 2 a.m., which I think I accidentally... Mm -hmm. It's a good uh, idea. May, may have set this invite for 3 a.m. and then adjusted it back <laughs> to daytime hours. Shannon, welcome. And, and Jinx, welcome. Uh, maybe beginning with you, Shannon, you know, kind of as a rite of initiation for the podcast, we like to hear folks tell their tale when they came to New College, what your experience was like, whatever you think makes sense. Yeah. So I went in 98. Actually, I grew up like two hours north of Sarasota. And my father turned me on to New College because it was like rated number one in Money Magazine. Money Magazine used to be a thing for like yeah. best value in the whole country. And so I kind of had my sights on that. My parents weren't going to like pay for me to go to college or anything. And they made that very clear. So I made sure I got a bright futures and all of that. And then I got into New College and I was really, really excited. It was the first time I ever met like smart guys. Like <laughs> that was my first thing where I was just like all these really cute smart guys. <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to them. But it, I mean, it's, it was such a leap from going to high school to college because it really is a graduate level program. Like you go and remember walking into taking language thought in the world, which is a philosophy class, it's analytic philosophy, and just getting my ass creamed, reading Wittgenstein for the first time and being like, yeah, this paper is OK, but it's not publishable. Right. So you suck. <laughs> and I was. Which professor was that? Aaron. Edited. 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 Yes. Yeah, Aaron right Edited. on. Yeah. Aaron He's an alum. He's an alum. No, no, no. He, yeah, he, it was great. But I kind of liked it. I was like, you know, thank you, Sperm. I have another <laughs> kind of like, you know, I wanted a challenge. So one of the reasons I went to new college was I, I talked to my dad about it and he was just very like, I, I said, well, the graduation rates like kind of, you know, low for you. And he goes, that's because it's hard to graduate from. So that means that the degree has more meaning than it does from other schools, which mm. I think is opposite of how things are ranked right, right now. Right. Mm. So it's difficult like that because you have to write a thesis. I wanted to write a thesis because I wanted my degree to mean something. I kind of did want to get into some scholarly work or at least have the opportunity to do it. And I went there. I majored in psychology, mostly cognitive. My advisors were Heidi Harley and Gordon Bauer mainly. I edited the college newspaper for a while because I was also a writer. The like, catalyst, yeah. right? But yeah, I edited the catalyst for like two years. I did my thesis on flashbulb memories of 9-11 because that happened the fall of my, oh, my wow. senior year which thesis topic. So I said the changes in memories over the course of like, I guess, six months right after it happened. I, was, I went into emergency mode when that happened in terms of trying to make sure that I could get surveys out and get them approved 
to be able to give to people. I threw a lot of walls. I founded Rockstar Ball, famous pop party. Yeah, I mean, I had a blast. I loved it. I found a lot of community there. I found a lot of like-minded people there. I think growing up in Florida, my parents were progressive and we were atheist and that could be challenging. Yeah. And being able to go to new college and have people, you know, there's people of faith there, but it, but it wasn't so dominated. Like I didn't have to worry about a teacher figuring out that I wasn't like born again Christian and then them trying to give me a bad grade or something. I mean, right. I had retaliatory experiences growing up yep. of discrimination. So that was relieving. And it was just being able to have that access to professors. I mean, I had a class that was just me and another person. Yeah. An IRP, you know, to study evolutionary psychology because, you know, Gordon Bauer thought that I would like it. Yeah. I'll do an IRP with you about it. And yeah. we'll read David Buss and Daniel yeah. Dennett and like, and, you know, and gold and stuff. And so yeah. I remember those memories and I had all this access. I mean, it was a pretty incredible experience for me. People have various experiences. It is really academically rigorous. And when I went there in the late 90s, it was socially just so much fun. There was so much creativity going into the socialization, like building parties, building events, building structures, building art, going along with it, you know, sort of like how people enjoy themselves and part of leisure is not just like doing nothing, it's actually being creative. Yeah. So it was really inspiring for me. And by the time I was done, my fourth year, <laughs> you know, I had presented my research at INCUR, the National Conference of Undergraduate Research. I had offers to go get PhDs. And, yeah, and that sounds like, a, sounds like a very, I mean, it's a cool thesis yeah, it still today, though. but I imagine back in 2002. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Like people were calling my professors and my other graduate schools and asking me about me. Yeah. I ended up going to film school. <laughs> but instead, because I'm a writer, which actually ended up working out somehow, I don't know why. But I really, I felt really grateful to New College because I am an interactive screenwriter now. And I wrote theses there. So like writing a screenplay wasn't really intimidating for me. Like a lot of right. people, like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. And I'm like, <laughs> like you have no idea what I've just done the last four years. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so lots to talk about to dig back into there around your new college experience. And then I think we're going to bring Jinx in. And then I'd love to hear more about what you've been doing lately, too, because that is yeah. something that got you back on here with us as well is especially on Twitter. We'll share Shannon's info, but that's where at least I've seen you stirring things up in a good way through social media and we'll pick up there as well. But before we do that, let's bring you in, Jinx. Tell us your story. When was your new college experience? What was it like? What do you remember? Anything you think is relevant? Yeah, and 50 words or less. Do we call it Twitter? Do we call it X now? Do we I call still call it, it I still call it Twitter. Like I said, I'm really good at saying the wrong things. It's a core competency. We're well, Xing now. We're Xing. Xing. Are we, are we Xing. I can't even do no, it. No, sorry. Actually, in the late 90s, know. 2000s, Xing was something else. Remember, I recall, I think. That's, that's a different episode. But yes, yes. <laughs> we'll get there. The, the first round is all G-rated, and then we'll yep. have us back on. I was a 1 to oh 05, so... Just after you, Shan, we would have overlapped by like a year because one towers fell my first month in school. And oh, there was wow. a huge, so a huge hurricane had come through. There used to be that large oak tree right outside of Palm Court crossing the green. That came down that year. It was a <laughs> flood, no power. And then George Bush left from our airport. And so, right. Oh, the I, goats, the goat thing right happened. Right. My, little, uh, my pet this, goat. My pet goat. Yeah. So it was super interesting. I remember. Going, I still have the email from my art professor who lasted a year. We were the art orphans uh, we because they kept recycling adjuncts. So we all had like, you know, I had John Moore 
on my I was I did new college first. I know. Yeah. I'm, I know. I did the new college's first graphic novel and it was an uphill push in 01, right? To like you basically just held mouse and like beat other people with it until they agreed to yeah. be on your committee. And they read it and they're like, "Okay, so you're going to do mouse." And you're like, "No." You know, and then you give them the rest of the stack. So I had Miriam Wallace, right? And I was very gratified to come back years later and find out that she had assigned Persepolis as the first year text oh, yeah. shortly mm -hmm. after, you know, so yeah. like, I think I made my case, but I still had to do a hundred page graphic novel. And that's the research, the, you know, drafting, the writing, the layout, all of that, inking, coloring, eventually publishing. So it's apparently going to be republished through a connection that I just made through this new college resistance. So ah. Mm. I've gotten in touch with the uh, sequential art workshop in Gainesville, cool. which is very interesting and rooted in very vulnerable and traumatic storytelling through through graphic novels. So they're like, can we reprint it? I'm like, can you scan it? Do you know how to? I long for the day that I find out who this kid was that ran with me from Ham Center. We just had kind of like that like exclamation point over the head. And we're like, wait a second, the motorcade is coming here. And like we ran, like I remember grabbing my backpack. We were talking about this last night, Shannon grabbing my backpack and jumping over the turnstile into SRQ airport and like running up the escalator and just like the eerie, like all of the arrival departure times just were like canceled, 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 wow. canceled. And then we noticed that all the pilots were kind of looking over at this window. So like we were literally pressed up against the glass and Air Force One like turned and went <laughs> and we we're all like, yeah. and the wow. McDill uh, F-14s came yeah. And so it was just like, wait a second. And then the rest of my day was trying to call my brother because that was one of the stories where the subway stop was right in the basement of the World Trade Center, but he overslept that day. Right. The biggest cell did phone. I interview? I wish, did I interview you for my thesis? I feel like I should have, like, if I didn't, like, <laughs> one of the, the biggest, like, actually in my Are you doing an epilogue? Are you doing an addendum? Because I'd be glad. Maybe I should. Yeah. If it's in there, maybe I should like... go reread it to see if I had you filled me. You probably wouldn't remember if you filled out a stupid survey. I believe I did fill out a stupid survey. You might be in my thesis. Oh my God. I have to find this. And you're welcome. That's yes. No, this is great. Now I need to know. Yeah. yeah, but those people forget. Talk about your flashbulb memories. And I am now, I'm in three master's degrees. I just, I finished my MBA and did the easy one first. And I think Grant was laughing the other day on the town hall when I said, I'm just grabbing USF master's degrees like M&Ms. Yeah. Because they're ten dollars to $15,000 a piece and they're cheaper than my student loans. So as long as, I, as long as I say, somebody was like, oh my God, you're at three master's degrees. I'm like, no, I'm from New England. The other thing about you, Jinx, that's interesting in particular over the last six months or so is that you're living, can you describe to folks your proximity to the campus in this day and age? Okay. For those who are listening, <laughs> she's pointing out her window. There's, is that a lanai of some kind? There's a, yeah, there's a front yeah. porch with Pfizer, the science building behind it. Exactly. Uh, so you are within... Some would say a stone's throw, but I don't, want, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, you know. Yes. With an eye shot. Yeah. Maybe yes. shot yes. isn't the word, right? Bro? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say she can hear the batting cages being installed as we speak, you know. That's, that's actually true. I can hear the backup of the bulldozers right next to the cop shop. Is, that uh, might, that might be a little, you know, a little bit of natural sound is always nice. So if there is a big truck backing up, maybe, you know, you can walk over. We'll walk and talk and I'll take you down the batting cages. But yeah, they're, you know, they're installing those pylons. The ones that are Zen properties, that what it's commonly called next yeah. to the cop shop. Yeah. The so... Zins, where the pottery studio used to be. Yeah. Oh, is it? it? It was just like a large concrete slab 
And now it's all uh, irrigation tubes and they've got all these earth movers and yeah, stuff. Back in the 90s, it was actually like an art shed before the art shed got it knocked It was down. an old restaurant that yeah. they had turned into our kind of muddy pottery studio art. I don't know. After, we did all After the of barracks this. got, yeah. <laughs> the barracks, yeah. And the trailers. And we're making it sound really very transitional. Well, I used to, well. used to live in Viking and at Viking dorm, the two-story Howard Johnson's reincarnation. Right. And one year, as new college people tend to do, they install like a food forest or something and then leave. So there's like these beautiful mangoes and wonderberries. And I remember when they were very small and I never expected that the plants would still be here and the building would have, you know, so very interesting time on campus. So yes. Yeah, what, you, what, what brought you back to Sarasota? Red scarlet fever. Scarlatina. I tried to go to Atlanta and stay with some friends after I graduated. I stayed at the cop shop. I was a dispatcher at the cop shop until I was seven. Okay. So I stayed on with that. And there was kind of like a, you know, I tried being a 911 dispatcher for a while. That worked. I found a more lucrative job just before the probation period and went that direction instead. And it was, am I going to die in Florida type thing? And I was like, my friends were in Atlanta. I went to my first Dragon Con. I was like, obviously, this is the place for me. And the food scene was there and stuff. So I tried Atlanta, but then I had got strep throat. And nine months later, it was still unresolved. And I almost died of septic scarlet fever. And I was like, you know something? I'm going to go back to my alma mater. I'm going to see the water every day. And I'm going to be the kind of den mother that I would have needed to. Because I have this theory that new college students come in their first year kind of half-baked. Just if you get one one year of socialization and you start with like, I was the smartest person in my high school usually, and then you go through wait, uh, the performance anxiety or imposter syndrome that I'm the one who's not supposed to be here. And then if you make it through that, for there's a reason that you're an alum as soon as you pass that first semester, not graduate, mm -hmm. right? Right. So make it through January ISP. And you kind of, so I thought if I could just like make a big pot of pasta once every Sunday, be an alum, show them that we do grow up relatively okay, right? And it's going to be fine and get people through that first year. So I actually came back to house new college students as I was like in and out of houselessness, I guess, like uh -huh. during my tenure. And yeah. I was like, if only someone had cared and I was going to do that. So I came back for that. And so it's super interesting now that the, now that housing is really needed. So I have a professor who was, you know, not re-upped at new college living with me for $400 right. a month. And, and you've been back since? Uh, 10 years. Okay. So you've been back there for a little while. And then Shannon, how about you? You've, you're not in Sarasota now. Is that right? No, no. So I actually moved back to Florida last year. I bought a house. My father was dying of cancer. And I just, you know, I was in San Francisco Bay Area for like eight years, LA for five years before that, Austin, where I went to grad school for six years before that. So I hadn't really lived in Florida for like pretty much 20 years when I moved back. Right. Almost exactly 20 years. Because I left in December of 2002. Right. And so it's you always think people that it's not as bad as what it seems because just the way the media works. But it is pretty bad for people like I'm lucky I'm a technocrat. I work from anywhere. Most of my team lives on, you know, on the West Coast in Los Angeles and the San Francisco Bay Area. Some people in New York. And but here. If you're like, I, my friends are like teachers and doctors and things like that. And the policies here just really affected them really hard. People, yeah. My kids and people are selling their houses. You're talking about the current like political climate because yeah. of DeSantis and yeah. all the stuff that's going on down there. 
Also, just coming from like the Bay Area and working in like I work in video games, I work in tech, you know, I worked for startups, I've been around. I just like the disconnect from like global capitalism that he's imposing on Florida is like really sad because the West Coast is really expensive and it has its issues and people should be able to live in other places and have offices in other places that are uh, welcoming to the people who work in those industries. There's a lot around Florida that winds up being part of the conversation about New College these days, but talking specifically about the New College conversation, what was it like hearing about what happens. What's your recollection around the takeover? When did you hear about it? You know, how did it kind of unfold for you? Because both of you seemed to activate pretty quickly after things started to go down in January. Yeah. So I heard about it in early January on Facebook, like really early, like first week. And honestly, I was like, oh, this is nothing. You're talking about January 6th, the trustees uh, appointment? Yes. Yeah. So some people are like, oh, these people are taking over. You're going to destroy new college, appointing new trustees. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Like, you know, like I was like, I didn't really know as much about it at the time. I also had just moved back to Florida six months earlier. So I was kind of like, no, everything is going to be fine. I have a hot tub now. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. I live near the beach. Like I I own a home instead of paying all this rent. Like my career is going fine. Like there is no, this is supposed to be like chill out time for Shannon. So like, I was just like kind of in denial about it for a couple of weeks. And then I talked to a few other people about it more deeply and then realized what happened. I ended up showing up for the first board meeting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where famously, uh, Dr. Oker. Yeah. I ended up in like the runover room. We watched it on a big screen with some others. Right. But, you know, it was crazy. I got into line and I like my thesis advisor was right there and I hadn't seen her in like 15 years. Yeah. You know, and so it was hard because I was watching people who mentored me like literally cry. Yeah. Pat Oker was removed and they, there was a general sense of like they're coming in to basically like, you know, destroy her college yeah. from the faculty I was hanging out with. So that was really hard. It was emotionally hard to see because the trauma they were going through you understand it from different perspectives like i've worked in big corporations and like i've worked in like a little bit hollywood and video games and all that there's a lot of toxicity and there's a lot of like people using raw power to like victimize other Mm. people so of course you like you know what that feels like because you've been there but it's it's even more intense because some of these people have been there for like 20 or 30 years and this is what they spent their life doing it and they're not getting rich doing this it's not like they're we're all like out in like silicon valley or los angeles or whatever we're all like Going for a fortune or fame, right? And so we might get knocked down, but like it's kind of part of our own hubris. Like, yeah. our, but with somebody who's, you know, a professor who might only be making like, you know, 60, 70K most of their entire career or less sometimes, never over 90, you know, unless they're like some kind of department director at a, a college like this, dedicating themselves to one on one tutelage of students and doing theses for undergraduates and reading them and all of that just and then they're being sort of like gaslit and told they're like these horrible marxist people indoctrinating children right i think the other thing that really struck me is that the excuse was so gaslighty it was like oh this is new college has suddenly been like seized by woke ideology and i'm like dude we've always been really really queer friendly and really progressive you know, I met my first trans person when I was at New College. It was scary to be, you know, gay in the 90s for a lot of teenagers. And I watched some people get beat up. I watched a kid being chased by his father through a parking lot 
threatening to kill him because he just came out to him. Mm -hmm. So when he went to new college, it was okay to be those things for people. Um, And that was the same in the 90s. So the gaslighting of like, oh, this is an emergency because they're only they're teaching Marxist zombie studies and only gender ideology. And I'm kind of like, if you do well in their math program here, which is, by the way, really hard, you can probably go to MIT or Caltech for a PhD in math or something math related. What are you talking about? Even the data science program was coming online. Like there was just a lack of awareness, a lack of knowledge. But that's pretty powerful that you were there for that because that was kind of the coup de grace. Like that was the event that kind of really... Because prior to that, Board of Trustees, when Dr. Oger was fired, there were folks in different camps speculating about what might happen. And some folks were thinking, no, maybe she'll hold it out or maybe she won't resign or maybe whatever, et cetera. And then it really, the dominoes have fallen since then. And we've seen a lot of real upheaval and change, although we're also seeing a lot of resistance. And then the alt graduation, like those things that have happened that really were sort of rays of light, in addition to just the stories of the students themselves and the courage of those folks who are sticking it out and trying to figure out what to do next uh, is, you know, getting their stories out there is another thing we're trying to do. Jigs, you're actually in Sarasota for all this. How did you hear about what went down this year? You had just interviewed Oker, right? I did. Yeah. And I'll get to interview her this month for the New College Archive Project, which is all these interesting things that are coming up from the resistance. You know, Shannon's talking about like being in these lines that they make you wait in. And then they've gotten like tighter and tighter with the security as you go through these BOT meetings. And so now you have to present an ID and you have to wear a lanyard if you're going to be one of the speakers. And they put you in numbered chairs like preschool so that if you misbehave, they know what number you are. Yeah. It's like, of course, you get wanted. Of course, you get searched. Of course, you get, you know, all these things. But the rays of light that you're talking about are, I think, also under-celebrated, right? Because I didn't know any of you. I'm seeing professors that I didn't know, you know, half of these people. And it's so it's been this interesting jumble where, like, we, the parents made signs, yard signs. And one parent paid 10 grand to make yard signs and, and caught on really early on that this was going to be this way queer parent who's like oh i've seen this before and like made yard signs and i'm like yard signs we're gonna need yards oh yard signs and so because i'm adjacent people will come right mm. so like i got a knock on my door it's like hey i heard you're the one with the yard signs and it was kim anderson the 2d professor who was my it was her first year as i was leaving and she's like are you still angry that i wasn't going to sit on your committee for your graphic novel thesis I'm sorry, I didn't understand at the time, but like graphic novels became like a thing. I'm like, they kind of did, you know, Marvel, <laughs> you know, and I said, no, I was probably, you know, I was 21. I was probably a dick back then, too. And she goes, well, you were very forceful in your thoughts. And that was that's good. That's good. I came to understand that's a new college trait. Yeah. I was like, would you like some yard signs? And she goes, can I? And she's like, also, do you still do graphic novels? And I do. Right. I'm doing graphic novels for suicide prevention mm. for soldiers. That's why mm. I'm, you know. It takes three or four master's degrees to get at that, right? In a traditional school. So I'm kind of like picking cereal off the shelf, you know, at USF to make one one new college thing. But it turns out that graphic novels can convey pretty important stuff. And so I wound up giving her, she goes, I've got two thesis students in graphic novels right now. And I like let her into my studio and like she emerged with like, I'll give these back soon. And they, you know, so that's going to be in a thesis. And that stuff's happening all the time. So, you know, you're seeing, you know, exes or you're seeing, You know, people who you wish you could meet, you know, the cool kids or whatever, because I had pretty much the opposite experience than Shannon. 
I, you know, military family and this and that. And I was born in Miami, Boston, Monterey, Juneau, Alaska when I was six, and then straight to Governor's Island, Manhattan when I was 10. And so went to a different school, you know, transferred down here, but was like briefly homeless in between. And so I, I had called up New College and uh, did anyone have Susan Rothfuss? Did anyone transfer in and have this incredible woman as a transfer coordinator? She had been the chemistry gatekeeper for the Nobel Prize in Harvard chemistry grad, and she got sick of all the egos, so wanted to come down here, wait for it to make a difference. And so I wound up talking to her for like an hour in a tent that I was living in, in my fencing instructor's backyard, like crazy thing. My graphic novel thesis was like this whole story. And so I was like, credits expire? Because I have these credits from like St. Lawrence University. But, you know, I've been a waitress for two years. Am I still smart? And I want to like talk. I thought I had gotten the secretary, not realizing New College was so small. She doesn't have a secretary. So she's taken all these notes, which later became scholarship applications that she filled up. And and, uh, I was really grateful for that. So, no, I I can't. She goes, I think you should move down. We don't have applications printed yet because they were still on paper. So they're not going to come back from the printer in time for you. But if you had a have you had residency for a year? We could give you like a third, you know, in-state tuition. And I was like, but I can't even apply yet. She goes, you know, I have a really strong feeling you'll get in. And so I just like winged it, right? I just like came down to Fort Myers from Boston, like sold everything that didn't fit, bought my first car, like all these things and and came down. So that's why in answering a lot of the, uh, the pregame questions, you know, I was living in Fort Myers doing three jobs, right? the filing job, the Kelly Temp job would let me sleep under the desk in the back once I'd done like, you know, all the alphabetizing in an hour that would take a native floridian 10 hours to do and I just yeah do for younger listeners files are paper <laughs> is that icon that yes on. exactly they were real and we got paper cuts working on them yes five inch floppies i but had that I, same job yeah exactly did you the kelly temp i'm yep. kelly temp data entry filing yeah yep and i would do all but i would come up to new college it was 100 miles away from fort myers what's left of fort myers after hurricane ian and I would come up here and just sit on the back steps of College Hall. And this is in the thesis as well. I would just sit and be like, I hope I get in someday. I hope I make it, right? And it's just, so this was really, and I had a graphic novel professor who's like, really draw it as the shining city on the hill. Like, show us Camelot and all these things. And I'm like, yes, I will. And like, so now I'm watching like these dude bros go around in the golf carts, right? Because the right. new athletic students are the ones showing what the school is like because they've been here three days. And so like all the other admission kids who are giving the tours have been fired, lest they talk about what New College really is. And you'll just see people coming back to campus. And then you're already seeing the new athletic tour guides and experts on New College yeah. saying, you know, see that blue haired kid, that's who we're here to illuminate. So, and then I think, was it yesterday, Grant? We saw the, or Sunday, that we saw the Banyan Way as the... Oh, yeah, on the screen. Right. Right. The new soccer team, the new soccer coach was helping the new recruits understand the recently created Mighty Banyan's team culture motto, I guess. The takeover mascot that was, you know, in post office last week. So the colonizer mascot, we're going to understand the Banyan way. And I think they they will understand the Banyan way one way or another. Right, right. It won't be the Banyan way that I think the trustees are hoping for, though. No, it will not be their Banyan way. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's going to be appropriate, that name. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I was was talking to somebody the other day just about how 
We do have a playful culture. We're historically kind of irreverent and ready to kind of subvert authority, which is why it is an interesting cultural juxtaposition that you have right now, where the new regime under President Corcoran is trying to assert control. And then the culture is more about resistance. Maybe picking up with you a little more, Shannon, I've seen you do some fun, interesting, and insightful things in terms of stuff you put out there. You picked up my follow. We didn't know each other before you've been on here. Can you describe a little bit about what you've been trying to do? Well, I want to... Before I get into it fully, I kind of wanted to get into this idea of control that you were talking about. Maybe this is part of what I'm trying to do a little bit on Twitter. So people who try to control their people, do not they have a poor internal locus of control themselves. Control mm. is also a form of abuse, right? Controlling behaviors by somebody else is something that they, they teach you to look for in partners and stuff that, you know, like people who want you to do your hair a certain way or wear certain clothing or always need tabs on you or this is what the way you must speak to me and all of that. That is actually abusive behavior. And so I think a lot of what I'm trying to do on Twitter is to try to reveal that. So I went on Twitter because, you know, I didn't actually, I wasn't a big Twitter person before this. I had tweeted more this last fall and in December because I had games that I worked on that released, two major games. So, of course, right. I'm like, oh, everyone, congratulate me. <laughs> and we you will, know? just to jump yeah. in, we will want to have you back to go deeper yeah. on games because there's a lot of folks who yeah. have gotten into game design and doing some of the creative work that you're doing. There I have four, a... four new college interns right now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So th there's an yeah. interesting history. And actually, it does tie a little bit to Jinx. You know, you're like making the graphic novels. There's a lot of like kind of maker history that we're going to want to go deep on. I, th I think in uh, subsequent episodes, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'll get it. I think into later into what I've been doing in the yeah. industry because I'm the first narrative interactive narrative studio in the industry. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to keep it going, but we've had a lot of success this mm -hmm. last few years. So, you know, I, so I didn't have like a very big following or anything. I still don't, but I have to, when I have something to say, I have to express it. That's just the way I am. <laughs> And I am not like a social justice way or anything like that. I don't, that's not usually how I spend my time in social media, but because this was so deeply personal to me, it, it actually impacts people that I know right now who are being impacted by it negatively and people that I care about. And the just obscene gaslighting as an excuse for abuse, because it's like this, when you're in an, if you're in some, any kind of narcissistic relationship, whether it's like a personal or at work. Workplace is one that, you know, I've definitely encountered just working in, in, in like in field that everybody is competing for money and fame and power. You're going to see all the narcissists and psychopaths coming out. And I actually got I've actually taken training in this. So I'm, I'm <laughs> which is why I have awesome my own studio yeah, because I have yeah. to interact. Once in a while, you'll be interacting with them. And by the way, usually someone who's like this, they might not even have malignant intentions. They're just, it's all just about their ego and self-preservation. So. Right. Yeah. But some of them do. Right. And so one of the things that they do is that they you might have the flaw and they'll use that flaw to devaluate the rest of you so they can take control or take some stuff away from you. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, like New College was in a vulnerable spot. It always has been, but especially because of COVID. If you look at the enrollment number before COVID and after COVID, there's a significant drop. Why? Well, during COVID, students took gap years. And in fact, I don't know exactly the number, but a ton of private Liberal arts colleges closed. There was one no. when I was in, in the Bay Area, one one very famous one closed there and people were really upset because they went there. During COVID, it just closed its doors because it couldn't retain the students. New college doesn't, it's not a distant learning place. It's not. It's a place that you come in. Maybe that needs to change because the world's evolving. 
Sure. But it's a place you come in and you're on campus and you're going to these small classes and you're interacting with people face to face. So they didn't have that infrastructure. So they had a decline. And in 2020, during COVID, they come in, they're like, well, if you don't get your if you don't get enrollment up to 1200, you know, or else, you know, they try to take over. They try to roll into another school and they made that threat. And I'm like, it's like kind of like telling someone who was just broke their leg that if they can't do the marathon next year, they're going to be in yeah. trouble. Yeah. Like it's not a really it, and it's affecting college admissions and enrollment numbers are down across the board. Right. Everyone's right because this like a lot of Gen Z. They don't want to get into student debt because they've seen the millennials like scream and cry about that. So they're being a little bit more discerning about what they're doing. The okay. idea of gap years is a lot more acceptable. We're kind of loosening up our what we yeah. think. And also, the, I think we should. And, yeah. the tr- and the trust of higher ed as an institution is about as low as it's ever been. Right. right. Which, well, the cost is as high as it's ever been, too. Exactly. It, it's ridiculous. And you're not necessarily getting out what you think you're getting out. Um, right. I, New College is one of those places where I really sincerely believe that people are actually coming out with an education. Yeah. I've been, you know, I've taught at bigger universities that are like I, I, when I teach at UT Austin, which is a great school. But like, you know, the general, of course, there's really brilliant people, but it's like yeah. high school. Like it's still a ton of people that are just going in there. You know, it's not like an honors college. Right. 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 People like a lot of people just want to do the bot, like the easiest thing to get the A and like go and so they can get their degree. So they're not really getting the education. It's more about getting the degree mm-hmm. so they can get a job, which is a different mindset. And when yeah. new college is more about getting the education, right. so becoming a learned person. So, yeah. So it, what I saw with what the governor was doing with the board of trustees and like the rhetoric by people like Christopher Rufo, who's a total sociopath, in my opinion, it was just to use any excuses to take it over. And the real reason why is that if you start talking to people you know, behind the scenes, is that for a long time in Tallahassee, They've resented New College because they've been calling it UC Berkeley of the South, like in a bitter, resentful, derogatory manner, which is ironic because UC Berkeley is the number one public university in the world, not just mm-hmm. the country, in the world. If you get a degree from UC Berkeley, you can get a job anywhere. Like it's worth more than UAP. It's worth more than all of that on the market. Yeah. I, I hire, right? So I, I hire people. So you, there's educational brands, right? UC Berkeley is a really good as educational brand. It means a lot. To people, it's like this basically the same thing as going to Stanford or Harvard for most people. Yeah, when they, it's close yeah, for sure. Public, yeah. It's the public version of that. They were calling it, they were calling New Clutch that behind the scenes in a way that was derogatory, which is ironic, but because it is a little bit, it's a lot more progressive, right? It's a little bit more like of a San Francisco like culture. It's very pro LGBTQ, it's very counterculture, but that's kind of, I think, part of what they're missing is that's kind of how like the smart, the weirdos, the smart kids that go yeah. off and build Facebook later. And then yep. you like a pig to the trough and consumes all the culture that they make. Like that's actually a good thing. And they don't really, there's this misunderstanding of what that, that, that means and mm-hmm. what those kinds of students are in the kind of environments that they need and they are attracted to. Yeah. Even Jordan Peterson talks about it. It's called openness to experience. People like that tend to be creative and they build new systems and new hierarchies. He'll even openly talk about it. Yeah. But there is a sense from people like DeSantis that they want to annihilate that. Right. Yet they still want part of the tech club. Yeah. Yeah. Which is right. really weird because like, dude, you, I couldn't get you a job like serving coffee to anyone in Silicon Valley. No one like wants anything to do with you. Right. Like, I think, getting it. Yeah. I yeah. think the harsh realities of actually yeah. finding jobs for the people in your state are forcing them to yeah. tap into more liberal pockets of talent because those are the people who tend to have some of the skills. You know, Aaron Hillegas 
yes. uh, is a great example as if, you know, another new college alum who I talked to on my education podcast, you know, and we're going to try to get him back on in some capacity, but it's the same thing. It's like they tolerate folks if they have certain types of expertises because science actually works and folks who actually are good at engineering may at times have more progressive thoughts. Shannon, you've done a lot of innovative work. It does feel like there are some elements of the culture. You were kind of touching on it there. Jinx pick up on this as well. But it does feel like a lot of the cultural aspects of New College foster a sense of creativity, a sense of like pioneering, where I think a lot of alums are doing jobs that maybe nobody ever did before. Yeah, I can speak to that. First of all, it attracts people. And whether or not we talk about grade point averages or SAT scores, it attracts people who actually want to do things like write a thesis. So we're automatically getting someone who's saying, I have a good work ethic. But there are also people who are really self-driven. A lot of people that I knew that considered new college didn't go there were afraid of it because you could create <laughs> your own curriculum. And they just wanted something given to them and yeah. saying, if you mm -hmm. these, check these boxes, we'll then stop. I will have success. That's actually not how life works. That's why people get really disappointed about like, oh, well, I have a college degree, so why am I not the manager? And I'm like, I, you know, I can't, because that's not how life works. Yeah. It's not I about don't. checking boxes. It's about finding a niche for yourself in the world that no one else occupies. It makes you invaluable to the world. And I think New College was really good at fostering that. Because it's like, if there was a class that I wanted to take or something I wanted to study and it wasn't there, I could go ask a professor to do like a ISP, yep. like independent study project or IRP for it, get some other students together, and I could go make it happen. And I think that the people that really thrive at New College were people who wanted that, right? right? But it also gave me confidence that I could go do that in other systems. So exactly. if I went to a really rigid system, they're like, no, Shannon, you can't do that because this is our curriculum and it's really inflexible and you can't study that. I may have not had the confidence to go out to someone else in the world and go, you know what? I'm going to start this whole new paradigm of doing business here. Right. And I think that's part of it because I think part of our early experiences of what we're told we can or cannot do and how we deal with failure too is different. The way you deal with failure at New College is different as well because it's, yes, you can pass fail classes, but it's really about your understanding of the work at the end of the day. We clearly could keep going. We've already gone for a little while. This is amazing. We would love to have both of you back. And also if you have recommendations for other folks who you'd like to have on this show, we'd like to have other guests, whatever makes sense to kind of get the stories out there. But for today's episode, as luck would have it, Megan, I think, is back. Do you have any closing thoughts? Well, I think from both of your stories, your stories while at New College and your ongoing life stories and connections to New College now, I can just see that the power of improvisation and collaboration that is so much a part of our, was a part of our education and we got trained in it, you know, for years, how to come together, pitch ideas to professors convince them of with our vision, like you were talking about, Jenks, and then also even just socially, the walls, the other things, everything was homegrown. Everything was student-initiated. And I just cannot believe that anyone believes we were indoctrinated under such a system because that was so not the case. We were so adversarial with our administration, even during the supposed good old days. And, and you guys are just a testament to that, you know, power of improvisation and also our resistance so far has been a testament to that, how we've come together and we're closer than ever than we've ever been before. One of the best things that came out of this was getting rid of our alumni association and just doing our own thing so we can directly <laughs> interact with each other, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't need that anymore. Uh, Your stories are incredible. You yeah. know. Grant, any closing thoughts? No, I just want to talk more to everybody 
about everything. All right. So the two of you closing thoughts as we wrap up today's episode. I'm just, I'm really glad you're doing this. I am just fascinated that the resistance actually gets the story, like in us coming together gets that story because, you know, the narrative is really being, you know, like, why did Rufo press charges, right, against the student three months after the incident, right? But right. coinciding with the beginning of the school year and his job as a distractant. Shannon's been speaking a lot about brands. You can't gin this up, right? Like you can't fake alums coming together, telling the stories. Yeah. And so having this platform for oral histories and whatever it turns into, I think that it, it represents itself quite well. So I'm glad to pull more people onto it and go on other platforms. Because when they say, well, these are dumb, indoctrinated, freak show. I mean, yes, and. I don't know, the chair of the Fed. You know, life does not end at 20. You know? right. Elon would beg to flush a brand this good. I think we've got a really solid, tight core of yeah. alums. I guess for closing for me on this particular episode would be, I think this is a really good lesson in abuse. What it looks like on a community level. I think for a lot of people, they're not exposed to this, right? This, something like this has never happened to them. So it's the idea of like, look at these weirdo kids who are acting like their generation Gen Z. I think there's a little bit of a generational gap war going on too. And using that as an excuse to try to impose somebody's, their culture, which is kind of dying. It's not even really dying. It's just like people don't think it's cool. It's like old, it's like old movie culture. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, that's fine. But like that, the kids don't think that's cool. And if you want the kids to think it's cool, then you've got to like, you know, persuade them, you know, Come get them to come over your side. You can't impose this, th- your will on other people. I really worry about students and faculty feeling like they're gaslit by these people feeling like they're less. I have four interns right now working on AAA video game projects, and they're incredible. They were at New College doing like making VR games and writing pull plays, stuff that you don't see in other universities. Like that's graduate work, you know, like incredibly conscientious incredibly inquisitive, incredibly professional. And I think it's it's just really disturbing that the Florida Board of Governors would allow people like Christopher Rufo to be on a board where he is devaluating some of the best students I've ever worked with as mm. undergrads. It's incredibly destructive. It's incredibly destructive to the state, its reputation. And why would a top, you know, the SAT scores went down. Why would top students want to go to new college? Right. Why would they want to go here? Like they could go someplace else. Like if you wanted to be the honors college, that's what you need to be attracting. And they seem to just be willfully ignorant of the market, willfully ignorant of the market. So Yeah, yeah. But we aren't. We understand the truth that is New College. Hopefully folks are enjoying hearing the stories of folks who actually lived an experience down there. We'd like to get more student voice, faculty voice, representation across the generations. This is the Palm Court Podcast. I'm Mike Palmer. Thank you, Grant. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Megan. Thanks, Jinx. Thanks, guys. And if you like what you're hearing, please tell your friends, subscribe, write us reviews, do all the good things. Thank you for listening.